All right, good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Move back a little bit, okay. Morning to all of you on Zoom. It's nice to see your names on the screen and some nice profile photos. All right. Um, we have been in uh, an unofficial sermon series that I'm just going to call it official at this point, where we've been talking about our church theme for the 2022 uh, year. And it's a theme that uh, our elders came up with after praying about where they felt like God was leading us. And our theme, as you know, comes from the book of Philippians verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. Uh, the theme is, do not be anxious about anything. And as we've, talking, as we've been talking about anxiety, we've been looking at some of the different ways uh, to think about how we might live out this theme. And so today we are going to be looking at one of the verses that precedes our theme verse in the same chapter in Philippians. And it is about rejoicing. We'll read the exact words in a moment. But I thought we could do something this morning that we haven't done in a really long time because of how kind of weird the either virtual or hybrid kind of world of church is like. I think we did it when we had our combined service um, where I had you ask a question with your neighbor sitting next to you. But I want, you, I want us all to answer this question before. I really want you to take like a minute with the person you're sitting next to, so those of you here, um, for those of you on Zoom, um, if you're watching with your family, this is something you can discuss. I'll give you a couple minutes to do this. But here's our question for this morning that I think will help us kind of prepare for how we think about this verse we're going to look at. But what is something that brings you joy? What is something you have ex experienced lately or something that you can think of where I, in that moment you knew you experienced joy? What is something that sparks joy in your life? Because if we're talking about anxiety, thinking about a lot of times rejoicing and joy is really the opposite of being anxious. And we're going to see that in our passage. So for the next minute or so, with the person next to you, share something that brings you joy. For you virtual people, if you want to type it into the chat, feel free to. I'd love to hear what you all have to say. I can see the chat. Um, we have a nice setup here. But with your neighbor, with someone around you, share what is something that has brought you joy recently. Go for it. All right. I'm curious to hear some answers. I heard, I heard, I overheard someone say K-pop right away, right? Oh, that, oh, got it. Okay. What were some answers that we had? What's something that has brought us joy recently? I'm really asking. You could just say it. Mushu pork. Mushu pork. Okay. I like that. Mushu pork is pretty good. What else? What other answers do we have? Reading. Reading. Okay. Nice. Nice. For all those of you thinking about no school this week, that probably brings you joy, right? Okay. See, I already know. I already know Amber's answer. All right. When I was thinking about this question. Um, I, I shared this with, I think I shared this with Peter and Abau in prayer meeting one time, but um, when we had a similar kind of question. Um, but it, back, in, back in November uh, with Ken, one of our elders and his, his kids, um, we had decided to start to learn, um, I've shared this with the youth group too, uh, we, we wanted to try to learn how to go crabbing, how to catch crabs. And uh, that's one of my favorite foods in the world. And Ken and I went with his kids a couple times. Both times we caught one, but it was like, 
it was too small to legally keep it. So we had to throw it back. So it's like you pack the car with all the stuff you need. You drive like an hour to like San Francisco or Half Moon Bay. And then you come home empty handed and it's like really, really like upsetting. And so one time when I went uh, by myself that morning, I finally caught one legal one that I could keep. And that night we were having, this was the Saturday of Thanksgiving week. We were having our Vertigo Thanksgiving dinner. So I thought this is perfect. I can cook this for our dinner tonight. And um, like... No one was there at the beach when it was just me when I caught it. But if you saw me, like, I let out, like, an audible, like, yell when I was, like, when I measured it and it was legal. I was telling Ken about this. I was so happy. It was, like, it brought so much joy. I was, like, this is a, an incredible feeling, especially after, like, coming home empty-handed a couple times earlier in that week. And then it tasted great. I was very happy about it. Brought me so much joy. Um, the idea of joy is really important when it comes to understanding our theme. Now, if our theme verse about do not be anxious about anything comes from Philippians chapter 4, just a couple verses before that, we see, uh, we see a really important verse about rejoicing in the Lord. That will be our scripture reading for today. So I'm going to read this verse Guys, it is such a simple verse. And as I've been sharing in this series, when we think about the truth about trusting God with our anxiety or thinking about not being anxious, I don't believe it's a hard message for us to understand, but I think it's a hard message for us to live out. And that's where I think the, the truth that we get to see from the Apostle Paul here about the importance of rejoicing will really help us today. So I'm going to read this one verse. This is our verse for this morning. Philippians 4.4 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Since it's so short, let me read it one more time just so it sinks in. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we know um, with everything our world has been through in the last couple of years, God, we confess how hard it is not to be anxious. And God, I know there have been many moments, even recent moments, where it is easy for anxiety to get the best of me. And Lord, I just thank you that your word gives us uh, such great guidance to know how to trust you and know not just what to believe, but practically how to live it out. And I thank you that this verse about the importance of rejoicing can guide us this morning. So I pray that these words will be speaking to our hearts uh, this morning and that it'll guide us to lead us into experiencing your peace and experiencing your love with us in all we do. We thank you for this time. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Our three points for this morning are very simple. Uh, when, it ha when it comes to do with the idea of rejoicing. We're going to talk about what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. What, how, and when. The what, how, and when of rejoicing. And if this verse comes a couple verses before our theme verse for the year of do not be anxious about anything, um, we will see how the importance of rejoicing goes hand in hand with not being anxious. So what does Paul say to do to start? He starts by saying just the, this one word, rejoice. Now, we're going to see the surrounding context when we get to our second point. And when we talk about the how, that's where we're going to spend most of our time. But Paul starts this section by saying it is by writing the singular word rejoice. Now, why, 
Um, why, why did we ask the question earlier about like talking about it with our neighbor about something that brings joy? Um, hopefully it gives us a picture of what it looks like that we might rejoice in something. And that's going to be important for us to understand this verse. Um, when we think about the word rejoice, we might see the prefix, like the re part, and we might think it's, you know, to find joy again. Um, that's not how the word uh, came into being, uh, particularly. Um, but it does, but the idea of finding joy over and over and over again, I think is something that the Apostle Paul wants us to capture. And so um, the word rejoice in the original language, as Paul was writing it, um, the, uh, a good definition would be this. Um, it says, to be favorably exposed to God's grace. To be favorably exposed to God's grace. Now, we're going to get into that in our second point, in the how to do it. But first, we see that Paul talks about the importance of rejoicing. And so um, when we think about, if we could start to think about the context of this chapter and what's going on here, that's going to be very important for us. Uh, let's see. What do I have on the next slide? Is there a particular verse there? Yes. Okay, good. Now, this is a very famous verse, rejoice always. And we're going to dig into it in a moment. But if we're going to completely understand what the Apostle Paul is saying, we want to catch the context here. And so as, as the Apostle Paul is talking about rejoicing, we want to know his context. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we uh, looked at our theme verse. But this is what the Apostle Paul says in chapter 4, verse 1, as he starts this chapter. This is the context for him saying we want to rejoice always. It says, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. This verse, following up on chapter 3, it gives us this picture of kind of a, Paul is on a, a spiritual marathon, so to speak, where he has been through all kinds of things, and there is an endurance that needs to take place, which is why he asks the, brother, the brothers and sisters at the Church of Philippi to stand firm. Now, if you remember back to a couple weeks ago, we saw Paul's context, and I think that's going to show up in the next verse I have here. Um, if we go back to chapter 1, then we can see Paul's context in chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. I might be a tad out of order, here. It might be a little further down. All right. Um, but if you remember what Paul's context was, or if you don't remember, we see it here in these two verses. As Paul starts this letter in chapter 1, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Now that reminds us that Paul is writing this book from prison. And that is a huge piece of the context for us to understand the truths that Paul is talking about. Because when he says rejoice, he is writing this in really the worst of circumstances that we might think of. None of us would want to imagine what it's like uh, going to prison or what that could look like. And I find it that much more powerful that the Apostle Paul is writing about the importance of rejoicing as he is imprisoned. And he, he shares in these verses that his imprisonment has been used for a reason. 
And I think a lot of that has to do with how he continues to remain faithful to God and stand firm and encourage others, even as he is writing this for prison. And so for the Apostle Paul, in a time where probably he's not sure when he gets to go home, he has no idea what his future holds, if the context of where he says rejoice always is him coming from that place, I think it makes it so much more believable that he would write about the importance of rejoicing. And the reason for that is as he is writing this from prison, he, you can see the idea of rejoicing, it still means something to him. It still has power for his life to share about things um, that, uh, that he can find joy in. And we're gonna see that particularly in our second point in a moment. But even for us, as we shared the different things that bring us joy, reading, certain types of food that we like, um, whatever different answers we have, you could get a sense of my joy that I had when I caught that one Dungeness crab, didn't feed that many people, right? But it felt so joyful. All of these things actually do something positive for us when we get to experience that joy. That kind of takes our minds off of whatever anxieties we might be feeling uh, in our lives. And so we see this. This is what you get to experience when you think about the word rejoice and what it means to find joy. Paul is finding joy even amidst being in prison. And so whatever we're going through right now, for the Apostle Paul, he didn't know what his future held. He didn't know what was in store for his future. He had gone through quite a few things but he is experiencing and sharing the power of finding joy, even as he writes this from prison. Now, he had no idea what his future holds. We have no idea what our future holds. Um, and all of the different forms of what pandemic church life has been like, uh, I was just thinking about it now that the weather's starting to get nice. It brought me back to memories of last, like er early spring, like when we were completely meeting on Zoom, when we were eating our lunches together on Zoom and getting like, I never thought I would get nostalgic about something like that. And even though I never want to do anything like that again, I can think back on those times with good memories of how we were able to kind of stay together during uh, an experience fellowship during a, a, a very difficult time. And you could even find some joy in that. And the point is to say this, I think Paul is talking, or he is asking the Philippian Christians to rejoice because he knows the power of it. And hopefully in all the things that we shared, whatever anxieties we might feel this morning, when you stop and you think about that mushu pork that Peter ate, or the last book that Peggy read, or whatever these things are, or if I can imagine myself catching another crab in the future, which is something I really want to do, it might take our minds temporarily off of whatever anxieties we have. Now that is a great kind of psychological tool for us to understand like how to overcome anxiety, but I'm going to share with us in our second point that we're getting to here in just a moment that Overcoming anxiety and experiencing true peace is way more than just a momentary, like fixing my mind off of something nice that takes my mind off of whatever troubles we have in this moment. So the Apostle Paul is calling on the Philippians to rejoice. That's the first thing, to find joy. Now, how do we do that? If the what to do is to rejoice, the second thing we're going to see this morning and where we're going to spend most of our time uh, this morning is thinking about how. And it's very simple, but I think it's a little bit more challenging for us maybe to put this into practice. But how are, you, are we called to rejoice? The second part of the verse says, rejoice in the Lord. 
Now, there is nothing wrong with all the things that we shared, with reading, with food, with all the different things that bring us joy. But hopefully we can see there is a deeper joy that we can experience when we rejoice in the Lord. And that is what will ultimately help us overcome the anxiety that we can face. If our lives are just being anxious one moment and finding a temporary distraction, and then the anxiety comes back, I would suggest that perhaps we are not rejoicing in the Lord. We are finding our answers in momentary and temporary things. How do I know this? Thinking about things that spark joy are very good, I think are very good for our, for our kind of our state of mind, for our mental health, and in that moment. But if I could take a deeper dive into the process and share with you guys what it was like to catch that one Dungeness crab and then cook it for vertigo and then enjoy it. Um, it was amazing to be able to, as I shared, to catch it, to cook it, to bring it to the vertigo dinner. Most people decided it was too messy to eat, so only like four or five people actually tried it, which you might think offended me a little bit, but it actually didn't because what that meant is there were more leftovers for me to take home. So it was like amazing to share with people, look, I caught this, like, isn't that an amazing feat of skill? And like, you know, now we get to eat it and it was alive like three hours ago and now we're eating it. Like that's as, about as fresh as you can get. And then the next night when I got home, I was like after church, cause that, would, that had been on a Saturday. I was like, oh yes, I have leftovers and I'm going to enjoy them. And I did. I sat there at my kitchen table and I ate half of the crab that was there. And if you know anything about eating crab, like there's the shell and it takes forever to get all the meat out. I think I sat there at my kitchen table for an hour and a half eating that one half of like what was left from the night before, right? By myself. Oh yeah, just glorious. I think Dilo walked by and was like, what are you doing? I was like, leave me alone. I'm eating my crab right now. I'm so happy, right? But here's the thing. By Monday morning, life was back to normal. All the joy that came from like this one experience of like, look at this like amazing feat of skill where I pulled this thing out of the ocean and cooked it and was able to enjoy it with some of my like closest friends and show it off to them and then bring home some more and eat it the next day. When I woke up the next morning, that's it. Go back, go back to, well, yeah. <laughs> I actually did go back later that week, but I didn't catch anything. But here's the point. The point is there are things that we can find joy in. And I certainly found joy in like catching and cooking and eating that one crab. But the joy wore off by Monday morning when I started to think, what's on my schedule? What do I have to take care of? Or more accurately for me, like what have I forgotten to take care of? All of the anxieties can come back. And so there's nothing wrong with the things that we might find joy in in this world. But there's a huge importance here when the Apostle Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. It's not just rejoicing in food or rejoicing in one of our hobbies or rejoicing in a TV show or something that we find like meaningful or even rejoicing in like our accomplishments or our work or things that we want to achieve. Those things always leave us looking for more. That was my experience when I woke up the next day and all of the crab shell had been thrown in the, in the trash can, all the meat had been consumed and it was like, okay, what am I finding to sustain me next? And so if the definition of the word rejoice in the original Greek is to be favorably exposed to God's grace, then it means experiencing the grace of God is what brings us the most joy. 
And so we want to rejoice with the understanding of what God has done in our lives and what he has given us, that there is a joy that is deeper than any earthly thing, the joy of experiencing God's grace. And this is where, writing this letter from prison, you can see how the Apostle Paul is living this out. Now, what is, what is the next part that he shares about? Um, how does the grace of God bring joy for the Apostle Paul as he is in prison? We see this in the next couple verses leading up to verse 4, where we see that we are called to rejoice in the Lord always. And he shares about a conflict that was happening amongst the brothers and sisters that he was around and the encouragement that he was giving them to find their way out of it. And this is the context that we see of what it looks like to rejoice in the Lord. And so we see this starting in verse 2 of Philippians chapter 4. So Philippians 4, 2, it says this. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Sintiche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Philippians 4 is such a famous chapter of the Bible. We see, do not be anxious. Set your mind on, on, uh, on all of these noble and trustworthy things. Rejoice always. Later in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The chapter starts off with the context of these two sisters who are in some kind of conflict within the church. And it's something that I've skipped over many times when I've read Philippians 4. Because I want like the greatest hits. I want the nice like one-liners. Like, like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do not be anxious. Rejoice in the Lord. But this is the context where it's taking place. We don't know the details. Commentators have kind of tried to do some digging of what the church at Philippi and what the situation was like. But when he's saying, I entreat Euodia and Sintiche to agree in the Lord... Um, other versions, you might pick this up on more. I'm reading from the ESV. But what it is describing is a conflict that existed between these two women in the church, in the body of Christ. And that's why he's encouraging them to agree in the Lord. And that phrase, we might not catch it if we're just reading it. We might think this is historical context and background. But I think that's really powerful because whatever the conflict was, and there's lots of different speculation, but the text doesn't tell us what it is. Paul is encouraging them to agree in the Lord. And that's important. Because really, I think our deepest moments of peace or our deepest moments of rejoicing are when we experience really powerful things within our relationships in the body of Christ. It was, like I said, it was nice to catch, cook, and eat the Dungeness crab. But there's nothing relational about it when you've eaten the whole thing and it's gone the next day, right? But when I, experience, when I have experienced the deep fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ, that, is a, that brings a lasting peace that I know I can look for of. More on that in a moment. But for these, two, for these two women, Paul is encouraging them to agree in the Lord. And he's saying, whatever the conflict was, you need to remember that God is in your midst and to come together to be able to experience true fellowship again. And he's not just writing to these two women to single them out, but look at how he's also calling on other brothers and sisters in the body of Christ in Philippi to help kind of, uh, to help uh, walk alongside them and to help kind of bring them back into this agreement. And so if verse four is telling us to rejoice in the Lord, 
It is really hard to rejoice in the Lord if you are at odds with someone else, if there is relational tension that's going on. And so I find the sequence of this really powerful because it's showing it is very hard for us to rejoice in the Lord if we are not already agreeing in the Lord. And that is the, that is the, the context that the Apostle Paul is writing this here. And that is his main exhortation, to agree in the Lord and to find their relationship uh, to be restored. Um, and this is something that is truly worth rejoicing over. And I think what this shows us is if we are rejoicing in earthly things, that joy will not last. So how do we, how do we bring the focus back on what might matter the most? And that is to keep God in mind of all of, of, of all of the things that we're doing in our relationships with others, in our relationship with him. And so finding joy and finding peace is not something that we can just, uh, is not something that we can experience just by looking at like whatever temporary things bring joy. But to see the struggle that existed um, here that was being overcome and how agreeing in the Lord was something that the Philippian brothers and sisters could draw some peace from and draw some joy from. And to see how they could be in conflict and brought out of that and to be able to experience the love of God together. And so if the definition of the word rejoice is to be favorably disposed to the grace of God, it's keeping in mind the joy that we have. If there was this conflict that was existing between these two sisters in the body of Christ, I can only imagine how good it must have felt when they could talk through it, when they could agree, and when the community around them could, could help them with that. And the conflict could be real, but then dealt with and taken care of and something to be learned from. And I think that's a really powerful image because when we think of what Jesus has come to this earth for, to restore us, when our sin has left us out of relationship with him, but then because of his love and his grace, he's lovingly made a way for us to know him, that true restoration can and should bring us so much joy to see just how much God really loves us, as we just sang this morning. And so if the definition of the word rejoice is, uh, at least in the original Greek, is to be favorably disposed to the grace of God, In this conflict that the Philippian brothers and sisters were experiencing, the Apostle Paul is trying to highlight, how do you involve God in that to bring restoration? And so what I I think this has to teach us about the importance of rejoicing is we can rejoice in many things in our world. And this is not to criticize any of the things that we shared because there I realize there are so many like earthly things that I can temporarily find joy in that do not last, we all do that. And yet I think the encouragement that the Apostle Paul here is to really teach us what does it mean, not just to rejoice, but to rejoice in the Lord. And I think that's a huge encouragement to us to think about the idea of rejoicing is good. Like finding joy is something that we know is really important. It's important for our mental health. It's important for us overcoming our anxiety. But we got to do it with God and not just on our own. And that kind of concept, I think, can help us in all the different things that we're experiencing, moment by moment. If we find a lot of our anxiety coming from school, because school is challenging, I think the thing that can help us start to bring peace is if you are going to school with God, not by yourself, but knowing that God is with you 
as you are studying for all the tests that you are or experiencing whatever relational drama comes from the social circumstances that goes on in school, what would it look like to imagine God is with me in that? Or for those of us who are working and just really stressed out by the circumstances at work or work deadlines or things like that, we might think, okay, what does it look like for me to take care of all my responsibilities? What does it look like to do that in the Lord? And to start to imagine how God is with us, not just when we worship him Sunday mornings or not just when we're physically around the body of Christ, but how is God with us 24-7? There is a difference that the Apostle Paul is saying between rejoicing and rejoicing in the Lord. And rejoicing in the Lord comes out of this experience where the body of Christ had to agree together in the Lord to experience his goodness. And I think they would be able to see the difference. And so really, what it means to rejoice, not just to rejoice, but to rejoice in the Lord means we are keeping God in mind in all of the different circumstances and seeing how he wants to bring joy into our lives. And so finally then, when do we do this? We've talked about the importance of rejoicing. We've talked about the how. We want to rejoice in the Lord and keep God in mind. When does the Apostle Paul say to do this? And verse 4, if we read it again, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And then for good measure, he says, again, I will say, rejoice. And what that teaches us is we're not meant to just rejoice when things are good. Remember the context of what the Apostle Paul had been through and where he is writing this from. It is truly remarkable to me that he's able to write these words as he's imprisoned. He is living out for us what it looks like to rejoice in the Lord, even though he has no idea what his future holds or when he's going to be released. Rather, he could focus on this conflict that he knew existed and say what he encouraged them to do and how he encouraged the body of Christ to help the two women who were in conflict to find their way out of it. And he's showing in all circumstances, I am, he could uh, imagine being the Apostle Paul for a moment. If you were in prison, I think if any of us were in prison, I think that would bring all kinds of challenging thoughts to our mind. And then if you were to combat that, it's like maybe he could think, okay, maybe my circumstances aren't good, but there's this church that I've been connected with and I'm happy about what's going on, but then to find out there's conflict in the midst of it. He has all of these things where it could be easily tempted to say, what's the point? How can I rejoice? But he is such an amazing model for us to see what it looks like to rejoice in the Lord always. And it means keeping the grace of God in mind more than we already are. If we are simply rejoicing in other things, then I think this is a challenge for us to find our joy in the Lord. And so we've seen what, it, what the Apostle Paul calls the Philippians to do, what to do to rejoice, but how to do it to rejoice in the Lord and when, always, in all circumstances. And then so, so for us, that might be really difficult because in our moments, if we're tying this to the verses that are to come about overcoming our anxiety, when we think about our most anxious moments, it is really hard for us to rejoice in the Lord. And I know that that's true. And that's why I think there's so much we can learn from the Apostle Paul. It's, this is not to say that this is easy, but he's showing us that it's possible that from prison, knowing about a conflict in a church that he's very well connected to, that he loves, he is still finding ways to rejoice in what God is doing. 
Um, to put this into maybe reality for us, uh, I had, I, as, as Peter mentioned when I was saying I finished eating that one crab, then it's like this week on a moment when I had no meetings, I was able to go back. And I was, uh, as I was um, driving through uh, one of the very pretty back roads to get to the beach, I had a momentary like moment of peace where I was like, wow, look at all the green that came from the rain that came in December, all the nice trees. This is very peaceful. And as I was blasting my K-pop on Highway 84, at least at that moment, I felt a lot of peace. And then when I got to the beach, I saw the ocean, and it just was, I was like, man, this is beautiful. It's sunny out. The waves were too strong to actually catch any crabs. But, um, you know, uh, and so that moment of peace that I experienced on the drive over and then looking at the ocean, it was pretty quickly gone in just a matter of moments. On my first cast out, I didn't realize that my line was tangled. So when I casted it out, my, my snare that I tried to catch the crabs with immediately broke off and went like out into the ocean to never be seen again. And I thought, man, I just drove an hour here. Yes, it was peaceful, it was nice, but now it's gone and I have to tie another one on. And then two hours later, I hadn't caught anything and all the peace is gone, right? It's like all the, the hopes and expectations. And on the way home, I was a little tired. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna stop by and get some coffee so I can wake up a little bit and uh, went to Phil's Coffee, which is a place I really enjoy. And I hadn't been there in a really long time just cause like, this is what the pandemics taught me. I forgot like what it's like to like go and order coffee at like a relatively nice coffee place where they actually take time to make it. And I found myself sitting there just getting so impatient. I was like, I don't remember waiting this long for coffee like before the pandemic. And really it actually was like pretty quick, but it's just, I'm so not conditioned because of what our lives have been like forever. And it just like, the whole point of that day was a couple meetings or because I didn't have any meetings, I had a couple hours where I could go and like find some relaxation and find some peace for a moment, something that might bring me some joy. And it ended with me sitting stressed out in a coffee shop where I'm like, why aren't they done yet? When is it coming? How come this is taking so long? And I think that's the effect that the pandemic has had on us. And then when I got home and needed to uh, attend a few meetings and do some planning for the summer, I've realized um, as we are trying to plan for a uh, what would be a, a quote-unquote normal summer for our youth group, because we haven't had one in a while, thinking about things like youth retreat or our Mexico trip, things that I think are really important for our group that hopefully can take place this summer, because we haven't done them for two years, I've forgotten how many details there are, how many things to consider, all the school schedules that go into it, all of the logistics of booking a place and communicating with the other groups involved. And I found myself like just feeling more and more anxiety. This is all in the course of one day, where the, the thing that had brought me peace like a couple months back, like catching a Dungeness crab and cooking it and eating it, like that whole, like trying to repeat that whole process had just ended in a pool of anxiety for me. I woke up the next day still feeling really, this was last Thursday, I woke up the next day still feeling really anxious. And I went through like my normal Friday, like meetings and uh, all the things that I do, feeling really anxious and thinking, God, like, why is life so different? Like, if this is our church theme, and I'm so thankful it is because week by week, there, I know there are so many things that we can all be anxious about. I thought, how, like, how am I supposed to rejoice, even though I know I'm preaching about this on Sunday, when I'm feeling so much anxiety in this moment? And the thing that made the difference for me was when I showed up here Friday night, 
It was our first youth group in-person meeting since December. Uh, we've been virtual for a while. And I had all of these thoughts on my mind, all of these anxieties kind of filling my mind and filling my kind of like mental space. But when the group arrived and we could start to sing, we could sing one of our favorite songs that involves like clapping our hands and dancing and screaming uh, and singing that he is good, that you are good. And then when we sang the song Highlands, um, speaking about all the highs and the lows that we might go through in our lives. And then as we began to, it was our purple donkey gift exchange. If you don't know what that is, it takes too long to explain, so don't worry about it. But it's, it's a fun tradition that we've had in our youth group for many, many, many years. And when we started to laugh together and enjoy one another's company and see the joy that we could have from meeting together, I realized I was experiencing a peace when the night ended that I, could, that I didn't think was possible feeling so anxious walking into church by myself just a couple hours before that. And I found that the reason for that is because when we get together, when we gather together in fellowship, and our main goal is like remembering who God is in our midst, and that's why we gather together, that is what I, I was thinking that God was really giving me an experience of what it looks like to rejoice in the Lord. Not because I was actively trying to find it, but because it was something that God graciously wanted to give to me in that moment. Daniel and I often talk about how we might experience the sermon rather than just preach it. And sometimes, sometimes it happens very clearly, like I'm sharing with you right now. I don't want to speak for him. Sometimes maybe it doesn't happen at all. Sometimes it happens a couple days later after we've reflected on the truth that, that we feel God is leading us to share um, with us on Sunday mornings. But I'm so thankful I could have that experience because it just, at the end of the night, when the peace that I knew I was looking for that had gone missing had come back, it made me want to rejoice. And not just joy that might last, like that might just be fleeting, that but might disappear. But it's like that put me in such like in such a like kind of peaceful state where I could say, God, you are so good. And I know there are so many like questions and anxieties and things that I still have to figure out, um, things for planning that it might be hard for me in a pandemic world with all the different considerations. But when we can experience like the joy of what God is doing in our midst, I really think that's what it looks like to rejoice in the Lord. And that is the true joy that will last beyond any earthly experience that we're looking for. It is so important that we find joy. But how will we live out our theme this year about not being anxious? By rejoicing, but not just rejoicing in general, rejoicing in the Lord. And not just when we feel like it, not just when it's easy, but by rejoicing in him always. And so I pray that as we continue to think about how God might be with us and all of the anxieties that we might feel, I pray that we would find joy but not find it in whatever earthly things we might think pro will provide it, but that we would find joy in the Lord and to see how he is with us always. And I believe that when we do this, that will allow us to truly live out what it means not to be anxious. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. God, I know the last couple years have been something none of us could have predicted and things that have brought about a lot of things that are hard for us to uh, think about or plan for, and it's something that has brought about much anxiety in many of us. God, we thank you that your word gives us some wisdom to know that you are with us, 
that the Apostle Paul went through very challenging circumstances himself, and yet he's able to share with us uh, through the word that he wrote to the Philippians how we, might not, how we might be able to not be anxious, but how we might be able to rejoice in you and fill our minds with the thoughts and truths that we need, that we need to be able just to experience your peace. God, I pray for any of us who is having trouble finding joy this morning. God, as we sing this last joyful and triumphant song together, I pray, God, that it would remind us of who you are, of what you've done, how we all have that in common, and how we are not alone in that, how we can experience the joy of what it means to experience your love, the joy that I believe the Philippian church was experiencing as they would go through conflict, but they could persevere and see how God is with them. God, I pray that the truths that we've read about here in your word would show us, God, that we can rejoice, that we can rejoice in you and how we can experience your presence all the time, Lord. And I pray that that would, um, God, just fill our minds and our hearts with your peace. And then that would be leading us to overcome the anxiety that we feel. We thank you for this. Uh, we just thank you for uh, just the truth that comes from your word. Um, and a truth that I think is provided, God, just because of your deep love for us that we could see, God, the ways that we uh, needed your uh, grace, your forgiveness, your healing, and your restoration um, for the consequences of our sin, God, that you forgive us, that you love us, and that you are with us. So God, as we sing together, I pray, God, that this song would fill us with your joy, and God, that that would be joy that will last, joy that we we'll know will, can last with us, not just after we leave from here today, not just after 24 hours or 48 hours or till the next time that we gather to church, but God, that your love for us is something that can have an eternal hope that we can look forward to, both now and when we are with you in heaven. And we thank you for that, God. So would you encourage our hearts now as we sing? We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.